Greetings and welcome to Marshmallow Sunday Pie, a show where two bumbling brothers couldn't even agree on an intro, so this is what you get. I'm here once again with my brother and co-host Logan. What are you drinking tonight, brother? So tonight I am drinking a pour of Sexton Irish Whiskey on the Rocks. Ooh, sounds good. And uh, what drink did you make for me tonight? Tonight you have uh, Bittermilk's New Orleans-style old-fashioned mixer with Porter Horse Kentucky Bourbon. Ooh, the Kentucky Bourbon. Yeah, I think this is my first old-fashioned, and it's, it's really good. Thanks for making it for me. Of course. Uh, now let's go ahead and cheers to the episode tonight. Cheers to a more coherent podcast. And cheers to wishful thinking. Okay. <laughs> All right, now let's go ahead and get into the topic. Today we're going to be talking about cryptids, and I'd like to start off by reading the definition of what a cryptid is. Yes, please. Uh, so, the definition of a cryptid, an animal such as a Sasquatch or Loch Ness monster that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. And a couple of notes they have here. Contrary to popular belief, cryptids don't have to be supernatural, mythical, or even all that strange, though many popular creatures acquire these characteristics as the legends grow. Hmm. Um, and apparently, I didn't know this, the first use of the word cryptid came about in 1983. 1983? 1983. Wow. You would think it would be... Older than that. Well, I, I'm sure the term is older, but the word is newer. The, so, so I think there's probably different words the throughout term, the ages. The term cryptozoology yeah. came into play in 1959. 59. 1959. And it was the cryptozoologist uh, J.E. Wall who coined the term cryptid in the International Society of Cryptozoology. Interesting. It took 30 years to do that, huh? 30 years to come up with the word cryptid. <laughs> I guess people just call them beasts and monsters before but, uh, then, huh? It's an interesting thought that really the study of these creatures, at least in a modern term, has, has really only been around for about 60 years. Well, and what I like about that, too, about the whole uh, about the word thing is I feel like the guy that made that word was like a like a soft-hearted individual who you know he's like oh i'm tired of these creatures being called beasts and monsters no they're, <laughs> they're gentle creatures they're, they're cryptids, cryptids. <laughs> i do like that uh so tonight i'm going to be focusing on werewolves as i'm a very big fan of werewolves i love the mythos behind them werewolves that's that's interesting so that actually brings me into one thing i was thinking about so where where is the line between cryptids and like mythological beasts or like fabled creatures where where is that line drawn that's an interesting question uh personally i think that line is drawn by the person investigating whether or not that creature exists okay. it, to to me it stems from cryptozoology itself stems from the study of these creatures so if you're studying that creature to me that creature can be a cryptid thinking about werewolves right um and specifically werewolves that fall somewhat within the cryptid realm, uh, such as the Beast of Bay Road. Mm. You know, this large, hairy beast that charges out from the, uh, the, the, the brush in the woods and slams into the cars, leaving large claw marks across the sides of the doors, uh, you know, having large fangs and uh, wolf-like features. To me, that is a cryptid, as well as that's a werewolf. Right. You know, when you talk about what a werewolf is, and... and the modern as well as even the the ancient definition of the creature that's a werewolf right yeah no okay i get that see so for me the the we've read the definition now the connotation to me that i infer from cryptid is almost like earthly bound so i think if it's a creature that's like almost attached to a religion or a myth that's not really like terrestrial i wouldn't 
consider it a cryptid. But I, I think that's what makes the case for for werewolves is they're very like it's a wolf that's not a wolf. You know, it's very earthly bound. So oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, that, I get what you're saying. I think I see that there. The, my my question with that would be what constitutes earthly bound. Right? Can, can you not have ethereal cryptids? Can, yeah, that's a good that's a good point you're making because you know originally because I, I, one thing that came to my mind was Pegasus. Uh -huh. Would that be a cryptid? And then originally I, I'm thinking no, like it's it's supposed to be this creature. I mean I'm not too good with Greek mythology. I do like it, but I'm pretty sure it's just a creature that the gods used. Mortals didn't use it. But then again, it is a horse it is and a, with, wings. with wings. So that's pretty terrestrial at the That's same time so that might be also a it also you actually question about unicorns yeah you see unicorns i think they've been they weren't put up as used by gods so that's where i think unicorns the, are in the bible no yeah unicorns died out because they didn't get on like they didn't get on the uh the ark i mean somebody can correct me on that but i'm 90 no. percent sure unicorns didn't get on no the i feel like that's an old like be like that's an old TV special you saw. Maybe. But uh, say that is the case. Say unicorns yeah. are mentioned in the Bible and they did not get on the ark. Right. Does that then make them not a cryptid? You got me thinking. Um, I mean, no. I think they're still a cryptid because the the stories that were told in the Bible were earthly stories. So I think that was. I don't know. But that's that's again that's just my connotation for what a cryptid is. No, and I think that's I think it's a good question to ask. And I think when you have a a field of study that is cryptozoology, it is the study of creatures that have not yet been proven to exist. And we've actually proved some cryptids do exist. Right. There there are, you know, creatures in Africa that were uh believed to have not existed that now we know do. Right. And those things are now extinct, unfortunately. Uh, but with that being said, it's it's a field of study that focuses on things that we don't necessarily believe exist, but could exist. Now, is it that that's interesting because that almost makes it seem um, flawed, in my opinion, because it's really funny. Because once you prove a cryptid did exist, it's no longer a cryptid, right? Well, I think <laughs> so... at that point you've done your job as a cryptozoologist, though. You've proved that it exists. So. So a cryptozoologist's job is to put themselves out of a job by not having any cryptids in the world. Exactly. You're supposed to put yourself out of <laughs> You're the You're putting yourself out of work. Putting yourself what out of work. What kind of job by, is that? By proving that these things do, in fact, exist. <laughs> that's, that's funny. So to jump into werewolves, yes. uh, going from there, uh, a, a couple of interesting points that I, I found about werewolves uh, is, one, their longevity. Uh, they've been around for ages since the late first century ad okay so this isn't a a new thing here right uh when we talk about the early references to werewolves in ovid's metamorphosis book one it talks of zeus turning the uh turning lycanan or sorry like Ly lycoan mm -hmm. uh king of arcadia into a wolf and trying to, uh, for trying to tr trick zeus into eating the flesh of his son so is that where lycanthrope comes from? I would imagine. That's what right? I that that's what I would, I would imagine, imagine as well. Because ly lycanthrope comes right. from lycan, which is a Greek root, right? Yeah, which has to be, come from yeah, Lycoan, the king. Right. Wow, that's uh, interesting. But that's the first century AD. Right. Right. So this is this is old. Uh, we can also talk about uh, in the late first century AD, Petronius. I, I'm going to butcher these because 
They're Greek. Uh, <laughs> it's all Greek sat- to you. It's all Greek to me. I was. I didn't want to make that joke. <laughs> I am always here for a cheap pun, brother. I, I am always here for a cheap pun. But uh, <laughs> Petronius, yeah, Petronius, uh, Satricon, uh, an er- in an early Roman novel in the late first century A.D., there is a story of a wolf attacking a family, getting its throat cut, and escaping later to be found as a man being tended to by a doctor. We also see werewolves that come up later in literature in Gervas's, I'm going to continue to butcher these, Tilbury's Otia Imperlia. Uh, He says, The one thing I know to be of a daily occurrence among the people of our country is the course of human destiny is, is such that certain men change into wolves according to the cycles of the moon. That was from third century. Yes, th- wow. this this is dire- this directly ties into the modern zeitgeist of the yeah. werewolf. Wow, that's steeped in and years of history. That's that crazy. that's this is you know ages of history mm-hmm. that come into this, uh, and then through this, werewolves have persisted throughout history. Men turning into large wolves, attacking townships and travelers, devouring human flesh with unmatched ferocity. There are many forms of werewolves, from cursed shape changers with no control over their powers, to those punished by gods like Lycoan, uh, and evil warlocks who make pacts with the devil to give them power to transform into man-eating werewolves. These are all not only annotated throughout history, but wholeheartedly believed by the people of that time. Right. Now, one thing that sticks out to me about werewolves is, I mean, they're really part human, right? So, is a cryptid part human? Can it be? Because I almost, when I think of cryptids, I think of Loch Ness Monster, or part maybe Bigfoot, um, like New Jersey Devil, uh, well, stuff so like really, that. Hey, those are, so, you brought up two very interesting creatures to try to counter that point of a werewolf being a cryptid. Right. Lock, or sorry, not Lock Ness. Lock Ness Monster is the one that's right. <laughs> is very human. Very human. He reads books every, every night. Have you, you've seen his little glasses. Yes, yes. Uh, no. <laughs> Bigfoot, who, not many, some people believe to be the missing link. <laughs> many. <laughs> many. Many people don't believe any of this. But some people believe to be the missing link in human. Right in the human genealogy right i've heard right? that right so that's very human right that's right. true that's right. true that's true the new jersey devil the new jersey human. devil no. was born a human it was the oh, 13th shoot. son oh, of a what? witch born in the backwoods of new jersey and was because it was like the 13th son born when he was born he was born a human grew cloven hooves a tail bat wings and the head of a goat and flew off into the night screaming. <laughs> well, apparently I haven't looked enough into the devil, but so, I need to because that's an amazing story. But those are two very human right. cryptids. That's true. Okay. Or potentially very human cryptids. Right. Okay. Right? If Bigfoot is the missing link, it, well, if the New Jersey Devil <laughs> really did exist and sprout forth from a woman's womb as a cloven hooved, winged goat man. Can can you imagine just being a poor woman who's given birth twelve times, and you're sitting there just like can't get this over with? I've done this twelve times. It's like it's like nothing to me now. Childbirth, and then boom, just out of your womb erupts this beast out of oh, screaming that would just... and 
flies away mm. and then proceeds to torment the area for years. Now, see, the screaming doesn't get me too much because almost all children scream when they come Probably not like a goat. Oh, it's like one of those screaming goats? That's, like, what, I oh! that's what I assume. That's what I assume. A screaming goat, New Jersey Devil. That's a that's a great one. So with that though, yeah, I think part human can be a cryptid. Okay, I, I can like, I can I, see that argument. I don't now. think yeah. there's anything that says you can't see the hand motions I'm making. I'm broadly gesturing. Uh, I don't think there's anything that says broadly gesturing throughout cryptozoology that cryptids can't be tied to humans. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, right. I if we look agree. back at the definition again. Right. It, it really is just an animal, which we are, that has claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Okay. Right. So that right. to me, the definition of cryptid is very broad. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that I that can apply to anything you consider an animal, even if you want to talk about vampires. You know, those are technically animals, right? right. See, they come from vampire bats and, and things that drink blood. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking too was vampires because initially I thought vampires because you know vampires, werewolves, kind of all ties together. But then I was like, no, a vampire is not a cryptid. But I mean, given this definition and what we're kind of talking about, I mean, it could be. It very. I, I, Personally, I would believe a vampire being cryptid. Any cryptozoologist who wants to come on our podcast and debate me on whether or not a vampire the is a cryptid. Twenty cryptozoologists in the in the world are going to hear this podcast and come down on us hard, brother. So they're gonna come down on us. Controversy is the best publicity. So I hope they do. Yeah, any press is good press, right? That's right. So going back to werewolves, because this is what I'm gonna talk about tonight. I'm going to continue to kind of progress through history here. So we talked about the different kinds of werewolves. We talked about early AD werewolves and, and even the uh, the werewolf zeitgeist having existed uh, in, in Greek literature and Roman literature through the phases of the moon. Brings us to the 16th and 17th centuries, specifically France, right, where nearly 30,000 werewolves, 30,000 werewolves, were reported, tried, and executed in France. They tried werewolves? They tried werewolves. Did they try them in their human forms or their wolf forms? I'm assuming their human forms because it would probably be pretty hard to try a wolf. That's worse than the Salem Witch Trials. But I, you know what? I just <laughs> It would be very interesting if they ever just brought a wolf to trial. You know, knowing, that, knowing people back then, I would not put it past them. <laughs> I read recently they used to burn cats because they were considered to be uh, messengers of the devil. So yeah, because they were witches like familiars. Right. Yeah, and that's what the uh, I believe the Catholic Church um, spread in mm -hmm. like the thirteenth. There was a pope that spread that, and so they used to just burn them. So like I wouldn't I wouldn't put them past putting up a wolf on a trial and confess your crimes, and it just growls, and they're like, all right, you won't confess, guilty. Yeah, it's very interesting. But yeah, thirty thousand. That's that's quite a lot. Yeah, that's that's, that's an insane. And you can talk about hysteria, right? Because one hundred percent hysteria. Mm -hmm. You have this time period in history where anything that isn't specifically like tied to the Catholic Church, to the 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 diocese, the the French nobility, it is looked down upon. Uh, Paganism is being weeded out by uh, monotheistic powerhouses. 
But 30,000. That's, that's a lot. That's what I'm saying. If that's humans, I mean, in the 17th century, 1600s, 16th and 17th century. 16th, I mean, that's that's a lot of the population. That's uh, a not huge even chunk a, of not people. even a France of the world. That's, that's a, a lot that's of the population. People. I I'm just I'm flabbergasted. But 30,000. I yeah. think there was what 200 or 300 trials for the witch trials. And and not sure. only like fourteen were executed, and not even the ones that were um, that were found that confessed to being guilty. It was only the ones that weren't confessed to being guilty. Well, reported, 30, tried, and executed. I just want to see them like up there with a the wolf, just <laughs> like just like confess just to your to... crimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no, hundred percent. Just baring teeth at everybody because it's cornered in a stand, and they're like, "All right, kill it." <laughs> There's one werewolf down. Oh, that's just. That's it's ridiculous. It's, it's insanity. It's absolute insanity. That's and, you know, it, it kind of comes with, I, I think, the age, right? It was an age of fear, it was an age of darkness. Talk about the dark ages. Uh, even getting into the Renaissance, there were still lots of these beliefs that kind of trailed those things. Um, but yeah, just the number 30,000. It's like even if 0.001% were real werewolves, that's a big number. You know, yeah. If <laughs> that's if, like thirty werewolves. If there were three werewolves <laughs> that were real and wreaking havoc, and they were the only three, and they killed thirty thousand of them, I mean, they succeeded in their mission, right? To kill the werewolves. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> maybe you know, maybe that's where the story ends. Is in sixteenth, seventeenth century France. Maybe they did. <laughs> they destroyed the European. The there was three of them. They've been alive since <laughs> since the second century AD in Greece, and they just they they got rid of they them. Just got rid of all the yeah, werewolves. They took it serious. They said, "No, no more. No. You die." That's right. They 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 went scorched earth. Got rid of all of them. That's the way to do it, I guess. Yeah. So it's just an interesting concept to me that you have this. This creature that has existed throughout history, right? We're talking nearly 2,000 years of history for werewolves. So this isn't a recent thing. This isn't, you know, uh, something that we came up with like cryptozoology 50 years ago. <laughs> this is something that's been around in the human zeitgeist for 2,000 years, if not longer. That's just the first written word of werewolves. Right. You know, I'm sure shape changes go back a lot farther than that. Right. You know, um, but then it brings it into the modern era where you do have things like the Beast of Bay Road. Mm -hmm. You have uh, these creatures that terrorize, uh, you know, people traveling along roadsides. And, you know, there's 40,000 people that go missing every year that are never accounted for just in the United States. Right. You know, so that's werewolves. You know, what? what 40,000, 30,000 in France. We're just making up for it. Yeah, you know, um, one thing that I'd like to circle back a little bit because I I don't know if I'm I'm confused. Well, not confused. I don't know if I'm remembering correctly. But weren't there stories of like a werewolf type creature in Japan too? You know, I don't know. I, I'll have to look into that. Because because one thing that I'm thinking of is I believe in Japan they had a, a werewolf type creature like like a fabled uh, cryptid, and then I think also in in Native American stories. Well, so I in think Native American like stories, a, like almost like a werewolf, not necessarily a werewolf, well, but like Native, a wolf-like Native American stories, monster. What really ties into that is like the Wendigo, right? The Wendigo, Wendigo really yeah. ties into that, but the Wendigo again is a human, right? Who becomes a beast, right? But it's caused by eating the flesh of, of another person, right? So the Wendigo was a creature that came about during uh, times of like 
dire uh, stress uh, agriculturally where they weren't able to support themselves through certain winters and people would give in to cannibalism and those creatures would become Wendigo. Uh, and as they ate human flesh, they craved it more and more. They ended up uh, gaining like supernatural abilities through these things, but lost all control of themselves. But that very well could be right. their version of a werewolf. Right. You know, one of the things that's always struck me is that with a lot of these cryptids, these mythological creatures, these, uh, you know, just beasts throughout history is so many cultures have them. You know, every culture has a dragon. Right. From Europe to Native America to uh, South America, Japan, China, we all have dragons. Right. Um, every culture has vampires. Every, I'm assuming probably every culture has werewolves. You know, I, I've kind of focused in on the European werewolf, but, you know, we just talked about the Wendigo, and that 100% sounds like a werewolf to me. Right. It's just a different way to start the werewolf. You yeah. Know, you, you became a werewolf by eating the flesh of people. Right. Now you're a Wendigo, but that Wendigo is a monstrous beast that hunts people to mm. eat their flesh. Like, that's a werewolf to me right and that's one thing that sticks out to me as cryptids as well is there's so many like you said there's so many similar stories throughout the world and throughout history for like dragons i mean dragons are everywhere and they're all named similar in their languages it's it's quite striking but um and i mean a dragon would be a cryptid right i would 100 call a dragon a cryptid. i didn't even think about it that's awesome man. That's dragons awesome. are cryptids yeah. if you're a cryptozoologist you can study dragons I need to make a shirt that says dragons are cryptids. No one would understand it's a it. Good shirt. Except for the one person at like Comic Con that's gonna debate me on that. That would be great. <laughs> anyway, so um yeah, the one thing that strikes me though is a lot of them they do have the same the same idea and the same uh the same like beginning almost, but they have much very different stories attached to them and different yeah. ways these these cryptids are and how they act and how they perform. So what of that is, is the story changing over time or what of that is actual different cryptids? Like maybe we umbrella the werewolves, but I mean, maybe uh, Lycoan and the French werewolves and American werewolves and Japanese, if they did have like a werewolf like creature, you know, Wendigo, they're all, you know, we might umbrella them as a, uh, as werewolves, but I mean, if they are all of these different stories, they'd be completely different cryptids, right? Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I, I think as people, we just try to like kind of, as you said, umbrella, we try to use these catch-all terms, um, right. especially me right now talking werewolves. Right. Like, I'm going to go ahead and say a window was a werewolf. Right. And I, I kind of would agree uh, with that almost, yeah. I'm sure... Native Americans would probably say otherwise. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even within the, like, Native American lore, there's shape changers. Right. You know, yes. uh, Spock spirits that are tricksters that can kind of become whatever they want to be. Right. Uh, and those creatures exist throughout the different cultures. They all have different names. Uh, I think us naming it a werewolf is us looking at it through our culture. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, not to dem diminish or belittle any other cultures. Right. I'm not going to come up here and say that a lichen, a, a Wendigo is a lycanthrope and it is a right. It's like that's yeah. just the nomenclature that I'm using because that's what I'm comfortable with. Right. And I think, and I think the point there is, um, part of the point there is that if we did hone in on each of these individual creatures, 
we'd be making hours and hours and hours and hours of content of it's just it's it's so cumbersome that's why us as humans we almost just group everything because individualizing everything is just very cumbersome yeah one hundred percent yeah all right, we're going to take a quick moment here to have a non-sponsored ad where I'm going to go ahead and pitch bitter milk mixers. I've always enjoyed them. They're always very good. They have a large variety from uh, Ohakan uh, mixers to the old fashioned and whiskey sours and really whatever you can get your hands on. I have a giant one in the fridge right now of a mango uh, margarita. So they're not sponsoring us. They're not ads. I just really like them, so I wanted to pitch them. And you made my cocktail with them, right, brother? That's right. Uh, it's pretty good, I will admit. Make it sound like an ad. It's not an ad. They don't sponsor us. No, it's not good at all. Actually, devil's advocate. No, it's <laughs> disgusting. Do not buy them. And then we're going to jump back into the show. All right, so I've talked about werewolves. Uh, do you have anything you want to talk about? Any, any cryptids you'd like to bring up? You know, I was kind of originally focusing on cryptozoology, but there was... Uh, cryptid in mind that I did have, which was the Loch Ness Monster. And I that's a that's a cryptid I've always just dismissed as folklore, you know, just people getting hyped up, uh, mass hysteria, as you said before. The whole thing where people say it couldn't possibly support itself uh, as such a large creature based off of, like, the flora and fauna that exists within the nest. Right. And within the, within the lock. Right. Yeah. And then Loch Ness. Yeah. And the, the one thing that struck me when I was thinking about the Loch Ness monster was how, if you do look at biology today and different creatures and animals, Love that magazine biology today, is that a magazine? <laughs> just, that needs to be a magazine. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Biology Paul. today. Just completely killing your flow. My no, no, that's, that's, that's a great magazine. Maybe we should venture into that next. Anyways, um, yeah, so I, I I really like how certain jellyfish and certain crustaceans, they actually can reproduce their cells to where they don't, they're non-malignant and they don't cause themselves harm. So it's really magical how that happens because what what plagues most animals on earth is that when we reproduce ourselves they're not as good as the original yeah and so we slowly just decay and with them they could theoretically live forever if nothing threatens it and i mean as a big fish in a small pond like a loch ness monster in, a, in the loch if it had this ability which you know it is possible. We've seen it in other creatures. If it did have the ability to reproduce its cells without having cell decay and having malignant cells, it, it could explain it being a uh, like dinosaur era creature from from the dinosaur time, millions of years. I, I wonder with that. I mean, you talk about crustaceans and jellyfish, right? Where jellyfish, they they don't maintain their lives the same way jellyfish almost do die and then reincarnate right and crustaceans are what you're talking about which is that almost immortality of perfect cellular regeneration right through growth right, right? so they they shed and they grow and they shed and they grow and they shed and they grow in theory you could have you know a 2000 year old lobster that's the size of a school bus um but i wonder if that corresponds with one the amount like i said earlier the amount of 
flora and fauna that is there to sustain those creatures through that large size? And two, have we seen that in reptiles? That That's a good point. Now, I think you'd have to get into what exactly type of animal the Loch Ness Monster would be. Because I'm not sure if it's it a would... big grab. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> maybe it is. And maybe it's just gone bigger. Maybe in dinosaur times, it was just a little crab. Could be. Could be. It was, it was the only crab there. It it thrived. It grew to its fish tank size. And, it, and then it got just big. And yeah, I, who knows? You know, some of those pictures they have, it looks like stones on the water almost. Could be like little crustacean humps. That's, could very well could be. I think that I, that's the fun part, I think, about with these cryptids, is you can say, well, is it this? And then you can't really say no. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's there, all there, I, have, I have nothing to back up the fact that the Loch Ness Monster is not a crustacean. Right, exactly. It's all just conjecture, really. So that that is the fun part about cryptids. But I just, I found it interesting that based on our knowledge today, theoretically, an animal could live forever. So it yeah. does put a little bit of basis behind some of these cryptids that people say are a hundred thousand years old, million years old, or you know five hundred years old, and you know people immediately go say no, there's no way. But I mean there there is a way. I mean like you said, maybe it has to be like how the crustaceans do it, or, or like the reincarnation type of how a jellyfish does it, which might not be possible with the brain and all that, but. I'm no biologist. I don't write in biology today, you know, so, <laughs> so I haven't had anything published in there yet. But yet. it is it is possible is all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think you can immediately dismiss something like that. And I do like the argument that there is a biological backing to creatures that can exist for ages. Uh, I, I think that's a very interesting point. I, I would I would agree with you. Uh, it would just be really cool to see if we could find them. A quick side note, veering off of cryptozoology into the realm of the occult, uh, did you know that Aleister Crowley had, like, a shack at the lock? Really? Yeah. Really? He, he thought it was, like, a site of great power, and he had, like, a shack there where he performed a bunch of, like, a, a bunch of his sex rituals at uh, I didn't at know lock. Crowley had sex rituals. Aleister Crowley had a bunch of sex Aleister Crowley was a bad Man. person. Oh, a bad person. That sounds great. <laughs> no, he was a bad person. If you perform sex rituals, there's nothing against you as long as it's all consensual. <laughs> Alistair Crowley was a bad person. Whenever I hear about these, uh, about these people throughout, like, like, a, like cultists, occultists, um, they, it's always these like influential people that just like have sex all the time, and I'm like, where are they doing it wrong? Maybe the killing people and, and stuff isn't the, but I mean the sex part, hey. <laughs> well, we're going to have to rate this one mature again. <laughs> we were doing so good. We were being so behaved we're doing, the entire we're episode. Ourselves so well. And you I had, had to bring up sex rituals for uh, Alistair Crowley. You had to agree with them. I don't think the agreeing part is the rated M. I, I think it is. <laughs> okay. I think once you start supporting sex rituals... That's when it, it gets becomes, rated M. It becomes mature content. Mentioning them is like PG-13. That's I can see that. But just a, just I can see a, that. a quick diversion there because I always thought that was interesting that Alistair Crowley had a shack at the lock. That's very interesting. No, that's very interesting. It reminds me recently I read that um, Charlie Manson sucked, sucked out, seeked out, seeked out, 
Sook out. <laughs> <laughs> Words. Yeah. Um, Charlie Manson went out to find uh, the Devil's Hole in Death Valley because it. Have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that. I just read this very recently. It's this uh, very salty. I can't think of the word that is the official scientific term for salty, but it's a very salty pool of water. <laughs> I was on a roll there. I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> I was on a roll there. You were. A uh, very salty pool of water in Death very, Valley. A very salty pool of water. That's a great name for something. Um, a band. would be a great punk band. Salty pool of water. No, that would be like one of those new modern like uh, oh, pirate. Like, um, the, 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 what's the, the sea shanty? be one of those new oh, like mo- right, yeah. everybody's doing the sea shanties now. Salty pool of water. Yeah, salty pool of water. Uh, anyways, there's this big hole in Death Valley where it has a very high salt content. And apparently like when an earthquake happens in Japan, you can see it through there. Yeah, and nobody knows how deep deep it goes. People, divers have gone in. They don't know. Anyways, he sought it out uh, because he thought that it was like the place to for him to like go to his heaven version or whatever. He thought that's where his salvation lied. How interesting. Yeah, it was a really weird read. That that whole thing, the devil's hole, and and, I wondered. They seek out weird places. Is what I'm getting at. Trying to bring it back to cryptozoology. Yes. Could could you consider something like that cryptid? A could, salty could, pool could, of water? <laughs> yes. Can hold on. Let me finish. <laughs> Read the definition. It says animal. Yeah. Okay. Could you have a what would you call a cryptozoologist of places? Say El Dorado. I think we need to make a term for it. Right now. <laughs> Go for it. Call it the. I, I don't know. We, maybe we crypto archaeology. Or maybe we can do the scientific approach, and we can call it like the. The Logan and Love theorem. I know. Okay. I like that word. Okay. But I mean, I'm sure that's already a thing. I'm sure there's already like crypto archaeology. Yeah. But you know, you similar. think of like Atlantis, you think of El Dorado, you think of the Devil's. Devil's Hall exists. Oh, okay, that exists. Yeah. But uh, that's that's real. The Fountain of Youth. Yes. You know these locations that are very mythical in origin that people do seek out, mm-hmm. very similar to the way that people seek out cryptids. Yeah. I, Hell, it almost feels like people back them up the same way, too. Yeah. These ancient, uh, as I even mentioned here with some of these early uh, AD books, you know, that's the same things that they're referencing are Greek texts that talk about Atlantis. Well, and you know, one thing that that we're we're going a little bit on tangent here, but I mean, I think it's in the same realm kind of with the crypto archaeology. A lot. A bit off tangent, but go ahead. No, it's crypt. It's it's mythical places. We were doing mythical animals. Now it's mythical. That's not so much of a tangent. But go ahead. Uh, a, there's been places throughout history that people have immediately dismissed and continue to dismiss as fabled that they later found to be real places. Um, Troy. Yeah. Until the 1800s, I believe they just they thought Homer was talking about this made up place, and yeah. then they found Troy. Um, there's an ancient uh, Indian city that was uh, in their religious text that was between two rivers, a, a king and a god were supposed to reside there for thousands of years, like 3000 BC. This was supposed to be a thriving metropolis. And people were like, yeah, it's just a made up place. And then they found underwater 
a place between two old rivers that got flooded out and it was it's there it's a big city wow and and we find places like these throughout the years where where they were told the stories were told they were denied but they're there which i mean we could bring that back and say that about cryptids like who knows like maybe we just dismiss some of these creatures and then later we we do find the evidence and we do find that they are real do you think there is a difference between a cryptozoologist who researches a striped back, you know, uh, African monkey uh-huh. versus a cryptozoologist that researches the chupacabra. I think there's a difference with their hopes and dreams. That's, <laughs> that's what I, think. I like that. You know, I think with that, we'll go ahead and uh, end this episode. Uh, we, we've spot. gone on for about 37 minutes now, so I think we've hit our half hour mark. We wanted to again uh, thank any and all listeners who uh, set through this. Uh, we hope that we've brought a little bit more cohesion to the episodes. We will continue to try to bring more cohesion to these episodes. Uh, I'm going to leave it with thank you. We appreciate this. This idea is one that my brother and I just enjoy talking to each other. And hopefully you enjoy us talking to each other as well. And I'm going to pass it over to Love for any uh, closing statements here oh my only closing statement is that at least this time we talked about cryptids (laughs) thank you all that's the title of the episode this time we talked about cryptids